Hello and welcome to our podcast. We are Bernardo's Care. By working in collaboration with the Children's Society, we are able to provide support to parents and carers of young people at risk or affected by child exploitation in the Essex area. Our six bite-sized episodes aim to provide you with some key pieces of information, advice and guidance, together with some top tips to enhance your knowledge and help maximise the safeguards available to protect against online grooming. The Wonder Years Being a parent or carer of a pre-teen or teenager is a rewarding experience. I can say this as someone who's made it out to the other side. But it is also, without a doubt, a very stressful time and can be really challenging. It may feel as though all your tried and tested parenting expertise has completely abandoned you. Leaving you wondering, what do I do? Is it me and is it really this hard for everyone else as well? Our children's brains go through a massive developmental stage during the teenage years. The part responsible for logical, rational and reasonable thinking is still growing and there's another area in charge of regulating their emotions that becomes hypersensitive. So what does this actually mean? It means they find it difficult to make decisions or plan ahead. They lack the ability to fully understand consequences or view anything from someone else's perspective. It also means they become reward-led. They get an increased drive for risk-taking and trying out new things, often things that we would rather they didn't. They get super sensitive to social status and they start craving peer approval. It is also a really confusing time for our young people. Not only do they have all this making them behave and act differently, but they have the physical changes that come with the delightful puberty to boot. So when we consider they're coping with this massive brain developmental stage combined with puberty and starting or navigating secondary school, it's no wonder that many of our young people are struggling with self-esteem and self-identity. The need to fit in somewhere can often be what makes them extra vulnerable at this key transitional time. Thanks to technology, our world has become a much smaller place. We have the convenience to do our food shop at midnight, our banking on the train and speak to our children's teachers from the comfort of our sofa, all with a click, should we feel the need. We live a 24-7 existence, and although it has many, many advantages, we must consider how this impacts our children. There are some research figures that suggest the numbers of children exploited online doubles between the ages of 11 and 12, which is pretty scary. Stranger danger now means something completely different. No longer does it mean the danger of a strange person trying to lure kids in with the promise of sweets or puppy dogs. In the modern world, an online exploiter is anonymous and extremely skilled. Not all online grooming and exploitation operates with the intention of a face-to-face meeting. Some perpetrators just want to get explicit images or webcam and video footage. In the case of criminal exploitation or county lines, the exploitation may have the intent to recruit with the promise of earning easy money, enhanced social status and sometimes protection. Without meaning to scare you, online grooming can happen fast. Perpetrators have access to millions of children 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They can and often do appear on apps and in chat rooms, 
on gaming platforms and anywhere aimed at attracting children and young people. An exploiter may have a fake profile, many fake profiles, pretending to be someone younger, someone that a preteen or a teen could relate to or admire. And remember that being in a virtual space can often make our children more trusting. If we consider all this information together with the knowledge we have from episode one, we can understand how our preteens and teenagers' key transitional development phase combined with their changing and advancing internet use around this age makes them increasingly vulnerable at this stage. It really amplifies the need for parents and carers to understand this topic and the safeguards available to us. In the next episode, we'll be talking about digital dangers. Episode three, digital dangers. The digital age is here to stay. Young people seem to know so much more than us adults. They've grown up with this technology and so it seems to be so easy for our young people to understand. Although our pre-teens and teens have taken to this digital world like a duck to water, we can find it a complex and confusing place. The constant stream of apps, chat rooms, gaming platforms, social media and all things internet related can feel like a minefield of information. And that's before we include all the updates. So with that in mind, it's important to know what and where the dangers are. The internet is the main access point or gateway to the online world. It seems that many of our pre-teens and teenagers find it almost impossible to live without the internet and it is accessible from so many devices. Phones, tablets, Kindles, laptops... Even most of our TVs now have internet access enabled. And internet hotspots are everywhere. Free Wi-Fi can be accessed in so many places. Shops, restaurants, fast food joints and even some high streets and town centres. But there is also Wi-Fi access at friends' houses and via mobile data. Some research has suggested that about a third of 9 to 19 year olds who go online at least once a week report having received unwanted sexual or nasty comments via email, chat, direct message or DM as you may have heard and text. In contrast, only 7% of parents surveyed thought their child may have received such comments. And then we get on to the topic of nudes or nude selfies or sexting. Our pre-teens and teens will all have some ideas of internet safety. They may even know a little bit about the law. Just so there's no confusion, let me use this moment to talk about the law. It is illegal to produce, possess, store or share indecent sexual or naked images and videos of anyone under the age of 18, even if a child allowed for it to be taken, even if a young person takes the explicit photo of themselves, even if it is shared and distributed between children of the same age. Remember, our young people are predisposed to trying new things and taking risks, and there are lots of reasons why a young person may take or maybe even share a nude selfie. They may be exploring their sexuality or they may be looking for social acceptance or joining in just because they thought everyone else was doing it. Or they may be being asked, pressured 
coerced or manipulated. Over the next episodes, we will be talking about how to approach and deal with difficult situations such as this and how we can all do our best to protect against them. Episode 4. Know your stuff. By now you are probably thinking, how can I ever make it safe? I'll be completely honest with you. There are no absolute guaranteed ways to prevent online grooming from happening. There is, however, a number of ways to manage the potential risk. So, some tips for you. If you can, start early with those boundaries. Easier said than done, of course. Make things like screen time limitations the norm, together with a rule potentially for handing in devices before bedtime. And spend some device-free time as a family whenever this works for you all. Try to make these things all part of your normal daily routine so it's not something you have to remember, rather it's what happens in your family routine. Do your research. There is lots of information available and it can be found quite easily by doing a quick online research. Just make sure the information you you read is from a reputable source. Some good places to start include the NSBCC, ChildNet, NetAware, CEOPS Think You Know campaign and the Essex Safeguarding Children's Board found at www.escb.co.uk. Know how to set your parental controls. Most broadband and mobile phone providers have some great digital parenting guides. You should be able to find these online by doing a search, but your providers should also help to find them or may even be able to send you a paper copy, if you ask. Look at manufacturers' manuals or operating instructions for parent controls on game consoles or mobile handsets. There are some great how-to guides on YouTube, big fan of them, showing you how to use these settings. Get to know your apps and games. Um, Did you know that all apps, including those such as Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and even WhatsApp, have a minimum age requirement. You can check the recommended age by looking at the information in the Apple or Play Store. Also, many apps share your location as a standard setting. If your preteen or teen has these apps, do make sure the accounts are set to private and location settings are switched off. Download the apps yourself if you have to and play around with them just to familiarise yourself and know a little bit more about how they work. When it comes to games, once again, a quick online search will give you a good overview, but don't forget the PEGI ratings. They are there to indicate age appropriateness. If you already have the game, the best way to learn about it is to play it. Take an interest, even if you have to fake it, and I do, and play those popular games with your child or children. It helps support and encourage communication between you and your child regarding the game or the gaming platform. Being curious while playing and letting your child teach you how to play and what the different features do or mean can be a great monitoring tool and you'll have some fun playing together. The two Johns are also a great resource to know about. You can find them on both Facebook and Instagram. Just search the two Johns online community. They often do talks in schools and at events and their social media pages allow you to ask questions relating to online safety.
Episode 5 Who's to Blame? Parents and carers of young people who have experienced online exploitation often express that they feel they are somehow to blame, that they should have known something was happening or been able to stop it or prevent it. As a parent or carer, you are not to blame if it has or does happen, nor is your child ever to blame. A child or young person is not complicit in their abuse and is not ever their fault. Even if a child or young person has extensive knowledge of online exploitation and online safety, they may not be able to recognise it happening to them. And so with this in mind, let's talk about the language we use. The words we use are powerful tools. The old phrase, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me, just isn't true. I'm sure we can all recall a time in our lives that someone made a comment or said something to us that hurt our feelings. It sticks with us, regardless of whether it was intended to be hurtful or not. Sometimes, and often without meaning to, we can use words and phrases that are condemning. And this is known as victim blaming. Here are a few examples that you may have heard in conversations or in the media or maybe even said yourself at one point. If a child or young person is being bullied, we should not be asking, why didn't they fight back? If a child or young person is receiving abusive messages, we should not be asking, are they being too sensitive? Or do they need to be more resilient? If a child or young person sends a new to someone, we should not be saying it's their fault for taking the photo in the first place. If a child or young person starts a conversation with someone online that they don't know or haven't met, we should not be saying it's your fault for accepting the follower or friend request in the first place. No child or young person brings it upon themselves. A child or young person is not complicit in their abuse and is not ever their fault. If a child has been persuaded, coerced, manipulated or exploited, they are a victim. Only the exploiter is guilty. Only the exploiter should be condemned. Only the exploiter should be blamed. So how on earth do you talk to your child about something like this? How do you find the right words? Well, in all honesty, it won't be easy. And it can sometimes be really tough trying to find the right words when you need to have a difficult conversation. It can be really stressful. Remember us talking about the stress response in an earlier episode? Well, this is another reason why getting that under control and allowing yourself a little time to process and regulate and maybe talk it over with somebody is really important. Having a calm conversation with your child at a time like this will be reassuring for them, even if the subject you're talking about is really difficult. Being calm will show them that you are in control of the situation, even if on the inside you feel far from it. It will make them feel that they can trust you with this really hard and difficult thing, and it will help them to feel safe. In the next episode, we'll be talking about where you can go for help if something like this happens and who you can contact. Episode 6, Help. 
So if it does happen, then what? In all honesty, this could be one of the toughest things you have ever dealt with as a parent or carer. And you're probably going to be stressed beyond stressed. Now, the problem with being extremely stressed is it makes us all emotional. We might cry, shout, scream, all three, all at the same time. It can make you feel physically unwell. You might feel or be sick, get a funny tummy or a headache, and it most certainly makes us behave differently. We might get angry, we might feel frozen to the spot, we might want to withdraw from the world and pretend it isn't happening, and we might even feel disconnected, like it's not real, like you're living in a dream. It's all perfectly natural. It's your built-in survival response, and we all have it. Even your preteen or teen has it. Now, if you need to scream, shout, hide for a bit, any of these things, it's fine to do it with a partner, a friend, a parent, a professional, just to get it out of your system, as long as it's not at or to your preteen or teenager. Please remember, this is your baby. It has happened to them. They are the victim. First and foremost, they will need reassurance that they did not do anything wrong. Once the shock has eased a little, you can consider how to deal with it. There are a number, number of things that you can do at this stage. You may wish to refer to the ESCB website. This is the Essex Safeguard and Children's Board. There is a lot of useful information on there. You could call the I2 and NSPCC helpline on 0808 800 5002. You can call or look on the websites of a local organisation such as the Children's Society or Bernardo's. You could report it online to www.ceop.police.uk. There are report options on apps and on gaming platforms. If you think there is a risk of significant harm to a child, you should call the Children and Family Hubs on 0345 603 7627. If you think there is an immediate danger to life or a criminal act being committed, you should call 999. Thank you for listening.